0: Welcome to the Oddballs Podcast, where we discuss baseball's obscure, ordinary, and amazing people, places, and moments. I'm Ralph. I'm Jeff. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, a childhood hero of mine. Uh, not necessarily because he was the greatest of players, but because every pack of cards I opened, I always got, <laughs> always got a Chet Lemon card. Yeah. No matter t- what. Me too. And this this podcast came about really because. Uh, I recently bought a big lot of cards. I mean, I'm talking thirty plus thousand cards from a guy on uh, Facebook Marketplace, and I'm going through the cards. And the first card I pull out of one of the cases, of I'm guessing course, Chet Lemon, eighty nine Donruss Chet Lemon card. And I shot a picture of it to Jeff, and I said, first card that I pulled out." So I think it's it's just kind of meant to be. So so today we're gonna walk through. Five things you may or may not have known about the Major League Baseball outfielder Chester Earl Lemon. Uh, born February 12, 1955. Um, I told you a little bit kind of why why I chose the guy, but I was really astounded by how good of a defensive player he is. And I'm going to go through some of these numbers here. Uh, Jeff, chime in when, whenever you want of to. Course. But I mean, some of this stuff is, is pretty special, I think. So, uh, number one, a native of Jackson, Mississippi, uh, grew up in L.A., drafted in the first round of the 72 uh, draft, played 16 seasons, so uh, been around the league for quite some time, Uh, played with the White Sox from 75 to 81, the Tigers, when I watched him, and knew him from 82 to 1990. This is really the height of my young collection, uh, young collecting years. I took some time off um, and have gotten back into it in the last kind of uh, five or six years now, but um his best years were with the tigers i think if i'm correct yeah i mean he had a great i mean really all all around i mean he, he he started early did well um again very very defensive player but um and really finished off his career um with with the tigers so he only played for two uh teams throughout his career which is uh can't say that for many players uh, nowadays um selected as an all-star in 78 79 and 84 and was a starting center fielder for the 84 world series hmm. detroit tigers team so um uh, definitely a, a foundational part of what they did in in that year and they rewarded him with an all-star appearance
1: so number two here go ahead yeah pal, i was gonna say were you were you, were you, were you uh that year, 84, were you were you watching every game or was it, was it a little bit before your...
0: I wasn't. I mean, we didn't really have TV. I yeah. mean, I, I know that sounds weird, but my parents would much rather us be outside mm-hmm. playing. So yeah. I learned about the game with baseball cards. You know, yeah. we buy a pack or two every week. I knew that they were doing well. Other people at school would talk about it, but like my parents really didn't want us sitting around watching television, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. MTV was alive and real at that time, and my dad, you know, just didn't really want us, you know, cashing into that stuff We went to church every Sunday, and that that stuff was just kind of off-limits, so And my parents really weren't big sports fans, so they really didn't see the reason why we should be watching other people play baseball My mom and dad always said, go out and play baseball, Mm -hmm, so we mm -hmm. were playing at the time, so I mean, I didn't know him. I didn't know what an interview was at the time. I didn't know what he sounded like. I just had his cards, all 7 million of his cards that I had that I couldn't trade. No one wanted them. Uh, But he was a Detroit guy, so, you know, you tend to kind of hold on to those cards. Anytime you got a Detroit player growing up in Michigan uh, was something special. So, um so I didn't really watch much of the 84 season. I mean, I was three at the time, yeah. so okay, I, yeah, I mean, that would, I was, be, that
1: would not be, yeah. because <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, I was. I, I really kind of locked in on baseball, as I mentioned in a previous podcast in 1986, uh-huh. I'm a few years older than you, so I was wondering
0: about that, um, but just... But just, even after that, I mean, I never really watched a lot yeah. of sports. I mean, I played quite a bit. I, I played baseball all four, all four years as a Letterman and on our varsity team in high school, but in retrospect now, now that I have a 10-month-old, mm-hmm. um, I think all the time, geez, now he can watch the sport, yeah. listen to a commentator like Dennis Eckersley, who yeah, talked yeah, about it in yeah. previous podcasts, um, who talks about how to throw, how yeah. to grip a slider and how yeah, to throw yeah. it and why to throw it that way. And when, you know, I as a pitcher, I didn't even know, and I don't want to go into too much of a sidebar yeah, here, but, good. you know, I didn't know a 2-1 and one was a hitter's count. Mm-hmm. i mean i didn't know that yeah 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 i just went up and i knew the count and i threw kind of what my coach told me to throw and yeah. and, and he would signal in what we'd throw but i didn't know the psychology behind it but now there's so much you can learn from watching the game mm-hmm. that i just never ever absorbed so yeah. I'll, I'll do it a little bit differently now that, that... well i think you know I, I i guess i really just locked
1: in in 86 but you know I, I actually have vivid memories of 84 you know it was uh, alan trammell mm-hmm. lou whitaker yep um kirk gibson I think Jack Morris, which was, you know, that's a guy we maybe need to talk about sometime.
0: Frank... uh,
1: Oh, Frank Tanana. Tanana
0: was was on the mound for them. Matt Noakes. Oh, Matt Noakes. Behind uh, behind, uh, the home plate. So, um, yeah, it was a special team, but but, but never... They weren't really household names, I would say mm-hmm. And I think that's always been the Detroit mantra, right? If you think about that time The Pistons were, mm-hmm. oh, were the yeah. bad boys yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of the NBA And so I think Detroit liked this moniker, right? Of having mm-hmm. no-name people they could put together And we mm-hmm. could just get the job done And So, um, so uh, Chet Lemon was a big part of that So number two he was really known as one of the best defensive fielders in baseball from uh, from '77 to '87. So he had a 10-year span there where wow. he was really untouchable. And here are some of the numbers behind this: In '77, he led the American League with 512 putouts, the fourth highest season uh, tally in Major League history, and the highest since 1951. Wow! I mean, and and. You could say one of two things. When I when I heard this coming from kind of a pitching background myself, I thought, well, people are hitting a lot of pop flies, right? So mm-hmm. you, you have a lot of um, pitchers that have a, a cut fastball yep. that's getting yep. in on their hands or if a sinker or something mm-hmm. you're throwing mm-hmm. that's forcing people to pop up or ground mm-hmm. out a lot. Okay, that's going to cause a lot of fly outs, right? But mm-hmm. that wasn't the case with this guy. He was just fast as hell. He, a lot was, of he was covering immense uh, amounts of ground. Um, totaled over 400 outfield putouts in, in four other years, so it was a very consistent theme uh, with Chet. He also led the American League with 44 doubles in 79 and led the league in times hit by pitch four different times, including a career high 20 times he was hit by a pitch in 83. Wow. So this guy could tell you a couple of things, right? I mean, he gets on base. Yeah. He, and every anyway, he, he didn't can. back. He didn't back off the plate. No, he wasn't probably the best hitter. But when he got there, when he did gap it, yeah, it was a guaranteed double because yep. the guy had wheels. Yep. His 509 putouts in center field in '77 set a major league record that stood until 2010. That's amazing. And until 2010, this factoid remains what what Lemon considers and others consider his greatest accomplishment, and says a lot about his incredible talent. Um, that will forever be kind of his legacy. It's one reason he's known as Chet the Jet. So I did know That's that. Nice. That's a great, great quick. I, I don't know yeah. anything. I couldn't find a, who gave him the nickname, but Chet the Jet. Um, uh, not really one of the smartest base runners, but his speed in the field really enabled him to catch many of the balls that uh, would have dropped for hits. That's interesting. And so so he, he wasn't he wasn't a prolific base dealer. He was he was just it was just uh, average. Nope. He wasn't, yeah, again, he wasn't smart on the but if he if he if he got a hit, he could mm-hmm. leg that thing yeah. out to 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 a double and he did lead the league, like it said, uh in in that category. Um I like this point though, the idea of how many of those putouts would have been base hits. How yeah. many of those yeah. pitchers That's a good point. were, you know, got such value in their ERAs. Mm-hmm because there was one less person when yeah. that next person comes up in homers right there's one less how many games do you think those 400 or 200 plus wow. putouts on average and that'd
1: be especially important in the old detroit stadium which was that uh, they had a weird porch right mm-hmm. so the mm-hmm. ball would it would look like a pop fly and then it would just boom right into the
0: upper deck gone, gone home run gone yeah. really so a lot of cheap home runs there so uh so so very prolific in, in the outfield. And we'll talk about that just a little uh, just a little bit uh, later as well. So number three, he was sometimes criticized. I think this is important, especially given sports and where we are now with sports and the clout athletes have now and, and what they do on and off the field. Lemon was criticized for not standing during the Star Spangled Banner. So That's it wasn't in protest against... Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't racial; it wasn't anything, but it was actually because of his religious beliefs as a Jehovah's Witness. Interesting. So that his his uh, faith will play another big role um, in in a couple spots here. We'll talk a little bit about uh, uh, how being a Jehovah's Witness um, changed his life. But I
1: don't know any Sir, thoughts on well, that. Cer- certainly, uh, certainly a man of conviction. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if I mean, they're they're not standing for the Star-Spangled banner today. Was Controver- or, you know in, in the current day was controversial you know go back 20 30 years quite a, quite a quite a stance Huge. you know quite quite a well no pun intended but quite <laughs> quite, quite, a, quite a message to send you know and and, and and certainly I guess the the what you're saying is he wasn't actually sending
0: a message he yeah. was just honoring his religious beliefs which is impressive so transitioning from there um... A little bit more about his early career than with the White Sox, which I didn't really know kind of a whole lot about. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the White Sox weren't really, you know, playing at Old Comiskey, they weren't really um, uh, turning a lot of heads at, at that time. But number four, entering his third season in the majors, he found himself playing for another Lemon, and that was Bob Lemon. Uh, Chet saw his career trajectory soar during that time. So he had a couple mediocre mm-hmm. uh, seasons, but then uh, managers saw some real potential um, in him. He had a solid career behind the plate, 273, 19 homers, uh, 67 RBIs, and was an essential part of the club that the White Sox fans dubbed the South Side Hitmen. Oh, nice. I like that. That's kind of bad That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know all the other players here, Jeff. I mean, if any of them stand out to you, but it was uh, th- those Hitmen were Chet himself, Richie Zisk. Eric Soderholm and Oscar Gamble. Yeah, Oscar Gamble, I, I
1: remember him, uh, and, and and he will definitely be a a future uh, a future focus
0: of our podcast for sure. As an oddball, yeah, very interesting guy. So they powered an offense that scored 884 runs and fueled the Southsiders to a uh, 26 game improvement from 1976. So 76 to 78. Yeah. I mean, when you're winning 26 more games, um, and and Chet Lemon was a big part of that. The club finished third with a 90-72 and record, four games behind the Rangers and a dozen behind the powerhouse Kansas City Royals um, of its day. So, uh, you know, the the standout season still left them in third (laughs) in the division, but still 26 games ahead of where they had uh, come before. So I think he had some early success, and what, what this says to me too is that he knew how to build kind of chemistry, right? Mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. he was a part of a team of people who knew how to hit runs, uh, hit hit uh, run and score runs for, for their team. So I thought that was uh, something kind of interesting. And it obviously it turned some heads, right? It turned enough heads that a, a season or two later, he gets traded to Detroit and ends up winning a series. Yeah, you're going toe-to-toe with those uh, powerhouse royals at that time. That's right. Imagine, yeah, going back and, and playing in, uh, in in South Chicago. Um, number five in our last kind of point here too. I, I hate to end it on a on a low note here, but just talking a little bit more about him. And this, this same kind of theme popped up in an earlier podcast mm-hmm. with Oil Can Boyd. Uh, but he narrowly died from a blood disorder that he had. Um, I won't even try to. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to pronounce s- pronounce what it was called. But he spent nearly three months in a hospital in the spring of 1991. Uh, a quote from him. I was in incredible pain. Just trying to turn over in bed was completely agonizing. I was being fed intravenously. I did not want to eat. I couldn't eat. I lost about 60 or 70 pounds and was down to 130 pounds. So imagine losing half your weight to this thing. Um, He said, I even remember seeing ESPN do my eulogy. Wow. How heartbreaking would that be? There was no way to have any type of major surgery done because I was on blood thinners to prevent clots. Even if they tried to operate, I'd bleed to death. And here we go again with this religious conviction. My faith prohibits me from receiving blood transfusions, so I'd never make it through anyway. If they took me off the blood thinners, my blood would thicken up again, and I would die because of a clot. Wow! And so talk about a guy with complete conviction, and yeah. probably that faith got him into the league and got him through the league and, and, and helped him in, in, in various ways. But it also almost almost killed him during that time, and he almost he almost did succumb uh, to, to this blood illness. But after intensive treatment, he was rebounded from the wow. illness, began coaching high school baseball in Central Area... Uh, central florida and in 93 he started the chet lemon school of baseball and became the president of the amateur athletic union district uh near orlando so you know you can take the man out of baseball yeah. it's hard to take the baseball out of the man and a similar story with oil Can. yeah he pitched, where uh, you just pitched on and on keep, for the love of the game uh, kind of uh, being being involved in the game and bringing up a, a the next generation so chet um our hats off to you as an oddball so, uh, some interesting stuff here for sure um uh, the religious thing, I think you know, we could have a, a couple-hour conversation just about him um, not standing during that time, especially during such a patriotic time yeah, of yeah, baseball exactly. when baseball was America, and vice versa during the '80s, absolutely, um, and, and into the '90s. Um, but he was one of the the pioneers in in that regard, setting put out records in the outfield that hadn't been broken in you know, yeah, 10 plus years,
1: certainly not, probably. The person who comes to mind, even in the fifth slot, when you think of the '84 um, Tigers, but but really a pivotal player and a um, and definitely has a friend at tops okay. and or Donruss <laughs> or all of them uh, because. His card was probably the most circulated. Maybe you know? just really
0: photogenic. They thought, yeah, it this could guy, be it. Yeah, this damn, he's going to keep selling us cards. So. But, you know,
1: honestly, he does have that. Uh, he looks like baseball in those yes. cards. They are good, they're just sharp cards. Yeah. 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 Well, a couple of them. I can actually, you know, because I've seen so many of them, I can
0: actually picture them in my mind. Um, and, of course, you texted me one recently. <laughs> His Wikipedia page doesn't do as much for him just in doing research. Mm-hmm. It just got him slumped over like in a in a in a stadium seat by sit by yeah. himself. It's like no, he's come on. better ones Look all that. the amazing photos of this guy on okay. cards like that All of us enjoy growing up like this is the best thing can come up with so Wikipedia you need to step up your game uh, in that in that regard so Okay, well, this concludes our Chet Lemon uh, podcast. This one was short and sweet, but just wanted to give you a familiar name and a little bit of background behind him. So um, as we try to do with with all of our podcasts, give you uh, the kind of top five oddball um, statistics statistics and and notes and ideas. So next time you're chumming it up at a minor league game with a buddy uh, and Chet Lemon comes up, you will know uh, a couple things about him and you can be the smartest guy um, in your in your group so yeah,
1: certainly the answer to a future of your questions
0: and uh and an, and an amazing player for sure okay uh this is ralph and i'm jeff thanks again for tuning in we'll see you guys next time